listeners. If you wish to stay up to date with the latest episodes or any news you might have missed, please follow us on our Twitter and Instagram or join our Facebook page. If you'd like to join in or start some discussions with other agents, we have a Discord server available to everyone. We also have our episodes up on YouTube, so please consider subscribing and share with your friends. Thank you for your time. Now let's get into this week's case file. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Files Obscura. This time for Pride Month, I decided to cover something a little bit more important. I decided we're going to look into the Stonewall Riots. So I was originally wanting to have all three of the co-hosts on today, but unfortunately due to just bad planning right now, it's just going to be me and Vlad. So Vlad, how do you feel about being on today's episode? Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm good with it. To be fair, I, I don't really know a lot about, uh, LGBTQ plus, um, history. It's, uh, it's not that like, I haven't wanted to look into it. It's just that it's one of those things that like you hear about and like, you, I mean, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff to learn about. I, I don't know a lot. Oh yeah, about. no, without a doubt. I mean, hell, I barely know See, anything a- about my own culture's history. So like. <laughs> you know, it's just like learning about like there's I know it's very important and it's something that we should sort of um teach more often. Learn to cover more. I didn't learn a lot about it in school, so you know, I feel no, like No, no, fair. And, and you know, I'm I'm actually in the same boat with you. It wasn't until very recently I actually did my own research to learn about it cuz like you said, it's just kind of growing up it was one of those things that you know was heard about once in a while but it's not you know something that was taught in schools it's not something that you know many people are familiar with unless you go out and actually learn the history and it's it's ridiculous to to find out like all the ridiculous laws that people would have to follow and all that it was illegal for you know many time for a long time throughout history you know to be homosexual or queer in any fashion and um it, it was ridiculous i mean one of uh, what what's his name? One of Britain's like famous computer scientists, like the computer scientist, Alan Turing, was actually gay, and he was chemically castrated for it. Um, wow! And he's the guy who made you know modern computers. Essentially, he, he started computers, and it eventually would evolve into you know these uh, personal computers that people were able to build at home uh, or have at home, thanks to you know Apple and Microsoft and the like. So it was. It's ridiculous, you know, just how long uh, people had to, like, stay quiet and be covert about it. So this was really considered, like, one of the biggest kind of sparks that changed people's mindsets. And instead of being closeted the whole time, we can actually open up and be proud about it. And so, you know, of course, I did a little bit of prehistory for all this to kind of – I shouldn't say prehistory – history before this. And, you know, kind of give a little bit of context to this. And it's just – it blows my mind how long up until recently in like the span of history, you know, you see people go in and out uh, of favoring, you know, LGBTQ plus, you know, people in society. Um, there would always be people who embraced it and then there would be people who would condemn it. And it just it sways back and forth a lot throughout history. Um You know, like the Greeks were known literally for their homosexuality and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of a joke in classrooms sometimes. Um, but then you have people, you know, in like 18th and 19th century uh, Britain, they condemned it outright. It was, you know, considered completely inappropriate. It, it's equatable to like child molesters and murderers and rapists. And it's just 
that kind of stigma just he grew and evolved over time and it's ridiculous like i know i say that word a lot but honestly just reading about it just kind of blew me away like i knew it was bad but i didn't realize how bad it was you know yeah and something that we have to also keep in mind is that um a lot of this stuff happened very um very recently in our current history in, uh, in context of history yeah, yeah. like most of what we're covering kind of summed up a lot of the conflict in the last hundred years or so. Um, and it all kind of just like, uh, it was like a powder keg situation almost. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is kind of upsetting to find out, you know, that like this, I mean, okay. So culturally, I, I think, I, I don't know when it, started to kind of like be okay to be gay like i saw a video about the history of a uh, of of queerness in um in media and how um they, there was a rule you know you could only have gay people in your movies and tv shows if they were the villains or if they were some kind of yeah yeah no it, it's it was easy to codify and queer code uh, people at that time you know making them villains and stuff which so at- it would associate the idea that you know being queer in any degree leads to you know bad tendencies you know that that society deems is wrong which absolutely and it's really absolute- fucked up yeah which absolutely caused a lot of damage just you know to how society views uh, gay people and uh, and queer people. And it it was um and the effects can still be felt to this day. Like it's really sad. I mean, we're getting better. It doesn't oh, yeah, mean no, it's absolutely. it doesn't mean it's perfect. The, the same thing goes for uh, racism and racist uh, interpretations of of certain people. Um, I mean, oof. it really you think about it. It wasn't too long ago that you could have seen a movie where the joke um, of the movie was that gay people are perverts. Um, yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And it, it's, and man, the funniest thing about all this is that so many people will just go to you and be like, Oh, it's just a joke. You know, don't take it too seriously. Um, or, uh, stop, stop being so, you know, politically correct. And it's like, okay, but it, this isn't necessarily funny you know uh your joke right right didn't and, age and, well you know, there's the argument you know okay if it's funny then why do you overuse it so much it can't be that funny this now you're getting to a point where you're just being insensitive yeah you know once or twice is a joke you know when it's your go-to it's not a joke anymore yeah the thing is a lot of you know big corporations like are trying to to get better at representing their you know the gay community <laughs> Or telling people that they're they they they're are open to it, claiming but, to, but yes. it's all service level crap to you know just make more money. Yeah, it's one. They it's, only do this during June. They yeah, don't do this any other time of the year. Of so, course, it's no, one, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't accept that. I know, I know. But we no, can get into I, I, a discussion about that later on. Yeah, I was just, I know, I just, I was just bringing that up because I wanted to say that it's um, it, it's something that we see every single year, and. You know, they'll tell you that, but it, it never actually like feels like it's actually happening. <laughs> you know, right? Like you, like you said, it's, just in like June. Said, you know, yeah, it's just in June, and it's only for the money. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very superficial. Absolutely. But of course, you know, before we get into it, as is tradition, we have a little game that we like to play: two truths and a lie. 
And so, you know, especially being a story that I didn't know very well up until recently and I'm, um, and you don't, and you don't know at all. I'm interested to see how this will go. If you can catch which one's a lie. So of course, as always, I have three statements for you and one of them is going to be the lie. You ready? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> all right. First statement, you know, um, we're going to be talking about the Stonewall, which famously was, you know, a gay bar at the time. Um, however, at the context back then for gay bars, you know, especially since you had to be underground and it was pretty much illegal to be openly gay or anything, there wasn't a lot of stuff that you can do. The thing that made the Stonewall, uh, you know, very popular was that it was the only place where you were able to dance. It was the only gay bar you were able to do so. Um, since many other gay bars prohibited it, um, and because it would make it easier to have raids, uh, which the police did a lot, especially since the mafias owned a lot of the clubs. So to put it simply, you know, being able to dance was the big draw that made Stonewall so popular at the time because it was the only gay bar to do so. I mean, that sounds like it would be very plausible. Um, okay. Most bars don't, I mean, most bars that I've seen or been to don't even have much of a dance floor. So I don't know. I kind of see it happening. I could kind of see it being a weird restriction. So for the second statement, the raid that would eventually kick everything off was originally sparked by a dispute from a drunk patron angry at the bartender who called him a gay slur. So then he reported the, he reported the, uh, the bar to the cops, which kicked off an unexpected raid. Huh. So for context, you got to understand, like I said, a lot of these bars were owned by the mafia. So you got to understand they were always doing shady shit. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure about this one, but maybe. You don't think? Yeah. I mean, I'm not okay. saying that's the one, but I got to I got to hear my, th- my, my uh, well, third option. Let's <laughs> see what it is. That's true. So let's hear statement number three. See if that might change your mind. Okay. There were many kick lines, which if you don't understand what a kick line is, um, remember those old uh, shows where the girls would line up arm in arm and, you know, kick their legs up and up and down. Yeah. That's what they would do. There were many of these kick lines formed where all the girls would sing and taunt the police officers that showed up. That's hilarious. Uh, but I'm not sure if it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm. I mean, well, it's kind of your it's, options it's one, kind, two, and three. It's kind of creative. It's kind of creative, but I don't know. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to say the second one's a lie. You think the second one's a lie? Yeah, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, I'll give you one chance. Yeah. Now, the only reason I, I don't think the kick line is a lie is just because it's once again it's a situation where I'm like, ooh, you know, either Aaron got really creative, or uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, uh. Well, I mean, think about it. This was the the riot that sparked the change in how people address gays. You know. Yeah. Okay. I but believe. Did it go this way? Was it this cartoonish, or was it a little more violent? I don't know. I, well, I mean, I do know. I read the story. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the second one being lo- the lie. All right. I'm gonna lock you in. So let's get into some little bit of prehistory uh, leading up to this. Uh, so when I was doing some research. And getting to know a little bit of facts here and there about, you know, kind of the history of like organizations and rights that would like start up and, you know, how people would organize talking about this. You know, I was kind of surprised um, that this was so, I guess, relatively recent. 
um, because the first, the I guess the first um, organization I found was started in 1897 by a German individual named Magnus Hirschfeld, uh, who started the first gay rights committee in Berlin, which over the years struggled to gain support. And once the Nazi regime of Germany kind of took over, they were pretty much all completely stomped out. And thousands and thousands of homosexuals were put into the concentration camps along with millions of other people. Oh. And that uh, that may be the first written account of, you know, people trying to organize and form a community. Uh, but it obviously won't be the last. In America, one of the first that, that uh, tried to start was in 1924 by a man named Henry Gerber, uh, who would make what he called the Society for Human Rights in Chicago. But it was very short-lived because at the time it was still pretty much illegal to be gay. He was arrested. Uh, many gay and queer individuals would leave their homes throughout these times, and they would go to populated cities where they would form strong, you know, communities. You know, in places like San Francisco, L.A., Chicago, and even New York, where they would form uh, in Greenwich Village, which is where the Stonewall Inn is located. Um, during the early uh, early uh, 1910s and 20s, when prohibition would really spark up and the conversation about alcohol w was floating around, um, prohibition created uh, an environment that actually created somewhat of a small safe haven for um, uh, many queers and gays uh, in the speakeasy, since the speakeasies would need to operate in secrecy. Hmm. So it kind of just fell hand in hand with, you know, they lucked into an opportunity, even though it wasn't the best. That's kind of interesting. Uh, this kind of uh, mentality is what would eventually lead to why the mafias would uh, be able to run the gay bars and everything. Yeah. I, I can kind of see that um, connection. That's for, that, that, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that, that, that's a bit that honestly surprised me early on. Um, I mean, like I knew it was there, but I never knew how it started until I read up on this. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes obvious sense. You know, why did I not put the pieces together earlier? So while this is all going on, of course, you know, people are being hush-hush, people are being secret. There are organizations that want to come out, but they have to be careful. Um, so organizations like the Mattachine Society, which formed in L.A., and the Daughters of Belitis, which formed in San Francisco, were very more straight uh, – uh, were very more straight-laced in their attitude and the, their attempts to fight for their rights – uh, were interesting as they tried to fit in. They didn't even uh, have hand holding at their marches or anything. They tried to make it look like I'm as average and plain Jane as you. There's only one thing that's different about me, and it's not an issue because you can't see it. It's kind of like okay, um, you, you're gay, and that's sort of the the secret, the the little secret. But be, it, unlike a current gay bar where you could probably walk in and be like, oh, this is a gay bar, it probably just seemed like oh, yeah, it's no. a bunch of of gentlemen who. Um, you know, who look just like me, just enjoying the company I mean, of other men, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, real, real quick, I, I will say, like, on the surface, like, I get the reasoning behind it. It makes sense. Like, you know, you should be treated as just every other person because you are just like every other person. But, of course, you know, in a more modern society, when we have something like the Internet, people want to be more expressive. So this kind of approach just wouldn't work. And it wouldn't work back then. No. Um, as many people didn't like uh, this kind of approach because they still felt like they'd have to be closeted and conform to a specific vision instead of being what they felt like and being who they were. Whether yeah. that meant showing a more flamboyant side, cross-dressing, or doing anything else in between. So it, it – it, it was. I think it was a good faith approach that just land that fell flat on its face. You know, 
Um, but this was kind of the mentality of people and, and queers, you know, moving forwards in their in their struggle up until, you know, 1969, um, where the riots took place. You know, the Stonewall had originally been a restaurant and a nightclub. Uh, three members of the Genovese crime family had invested $3,500, which adjusted for inflation today is about twenty five grand, uh, to turn the establishment into a gay bar. Honestly, it was near the worst shithole you could imagine. There was no running water behind the bar. Their uh, used glasses were only dipped in a tub of water to clean it. Uh, toilets were constantly clogged and there were no fire exits. Mm. You know – a lot of shitty, shady, villainy shit happened in the Stonewall Inn, but for most, it was their second, if not their first home. You know, you, this was a safe haven for gays and queers, uh, drag queens, and even some homeless people to just, you know, be safe. They would come here a lot. Um, Ethnicity-wise, the place had a very even spread because, you know, in general, it doesn't matter what background you came from. If you were queer in any degree – um, you were pretty much rejected at this time. Um, however, uh, the the client base, if you will, the customer base that was there was about 90 to 98% male on average. Mm. A little interesting thing I did not find in my own studies. I can thank Peter for that. <sighs> so you, So just some context, like when I go out, uh, we, there's a place here in Houston called uh, Montrose. It's a street that has a bunch of gay bars. And when you go in there, it's mostly like this, but you don't ever have to be like quiet. It's very loud. It's very popular. There, you got tame people in there, and then you got people who dress a little more out there and act a little more out there. Um, but you, there's a lot of females, so to hear that there was like almost all completely males, so it's 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 interesting to me. Um, I definitely like it, but it's <laughs> it's yeah. a weird perspective to have, just in, in, given my personal experience. Um, but as I was saying. Um, the main reason that people liked coming here was to dance. Uh, it was the only gay bar at the time where gay men and others could dance openly. Um, there were a few other bars in the area that were uh, open to the gay, open to gays and queers, uh, but it wasn't uh, open to dancing, and it, it didn't really have the kind of same draw for other people. Um, the interior of the building was painted black and the lights were a pulsing gel lights or black lights. Um, however, because raids were normal, uh, if the police were spotted, normal, normal white lights would be turned on, meaning stop dancing and stop touching. Though it wasn't a place of prostitution, drug deals and other cash transactions did take place quite frequently, which led to other reasons for the raids to happen. Man, that sucks. Uh, the entrance to the – yeah, no, it, dude, it was crazy. Uh, the entrance to the club was guarded by a bouncer behind a door that had a peephole. At the time, you would have to be known by the bouncer or you would be required to look gay. Undercover officers would try to gain entrance and they gained the nicknames Lily Law, Alice Blue Gown, and Betty Badge. On weekends, the entrance fee was $3, which today would be about $22. Uh, and that would be exchanged for two tickets, which would get you two drinks. Patrons were required to sign in a book to prove that the, that the bar was a private bottle club, but the but few rarely wrote their actual names, and for good reason. Uh, inner circles, uh, inner circle dealings were known uh, to do blackmail and uh, oh, fuck. Give me one second. 
inner circle dealings uh, for who knows what, including blackmail, and then the simple fact for uh, the time period that it was a gay bar. A police officer would collect envelopes of cash weekly because the bar didn't have a liquor license. The payoff was known as a gayola, uh, <laughs> which makes me laugh because every time I read it, I keep reading Crayola, like the like the crayons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, police raids were frequent and normally the owner or the barkeep would be tipped off well before the raids. Uh, when the estab- or, uh, when the establishment would be raided, everyone would put, w- was put in a line and had their IDs inspected. Women were required to wear at least three pieces of feminine clothing and those who looked female were to have their gender verified in the bathrooms by a female police officer. Some men used their draft cards as identification, and people wearing drag or otherwise seemingly gay were arrested and brought to the police station. Uh, the reason being is that being gay or at least even looking gay was associated with the idea of disorderly conduct, which the mayor at the time was trying to crack down against heavily. So he would use any excuse to do this. Hence the constant harassment by, uh, harassment by police officers to anybody in the queer community at the time. I think um, I think it's really funny that uh, they required women to have at least three pieces of feminine clothing, and I kind of want to know right, right. what that was, like what what they considered. Uh, I, like I know two of them. Um, like one of them was obviously having a bra, the other one was having panties, and the third one I think was like pantyhose or something like that. Oh, that's not too um, hard. Not uh, sure. You could probably but, like you, you. You could probably get away with a few like. <laughs> you would think, but no. Like some of the accounts uh, uh, I, I thought- that I watched from people would say, like they would get arrested for this rule, and the police officer would literally have no way to verify that the rule was broken. But it never mattered. Damn. So it really yeah. it, it didn't really matter how how much you followed the rules. And I, nope. I, I sound like a total asshole being like, oh, yeah, not too hard. I mean, I'm joking mostly, but um, it's it's like it's so stupid. Oh, my God. Like, oh, yeah, no, it's crazy. It's so ridiculous. <sighs> I mean, it's a violation of privacy at the very basic. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. Along with that, um, the bar management uh, was also often arrested um, when the raids were over. Part of the customer base arrested and the liquor bar would be uh, seized. More liquor would be brought in from a hidden compartment in the bar or it would be stored in a car down down a block. This was uh, a common practice for bars to continue business quickly after a raid, uh, which seems like it was just easier to get that done than to get a proper liquor license. Interesting. Um, The bar management had received a faint tip off of a raid. However, they disregarded it because the raid would be much later in the day than normal. On June 28, 1969. Two undercover policemen and women entered the bar to gather visual evidence with the public morals squad waiting for a signal outside. The officers called for backup with a payphone from within the bar. The employees didn't know that one was coming despite the custom. So this is how it happened. At 1.20 a.m., four plainclothes officers, two patrol officers in uniform, Detectives Charles Smythe uh, Smythe and Deputy Inspector Seymour Pine – Uh, stormed the double doors of Stonewall Inn announcing police were taking the place. Approximately 205 people were in the Stonewall Inn that night, uh, and those who had never experienced a police raid were baffled, and those who knew what was happening scrambled to the doors and windows, but police had already barred the doors. 
Michael, uh, Michael Fader, one of the customers that night claimed, quote, things happened so fast you kind of got caught not knowing. All of a sudden, there were police there, and we were told not uh, told to all get in lines and have our identifications ready to be led out of the bar, unquote. But that night was different for the officers. People dressed as women refused to go uh, with the officers, and many men in line began refusing to provide identification. The police then took near everyone to the police station. Maria Ritter, a transgender woman, said, quote, My biggest fear was that I would be arrested. My second biggest fear was that my picture would be in the newspaper or on a television report in my mother's dress, unquote. Mm. Some of the police had even started to get their hands on some of the lesbians there while frisking them, which created a strong sense of discomfort in the crowd to both the customers and other people of the police or other members of the police. All in all, 28 cases of beer and 19 bottles of hard liquor were seized, and they were to be transported by patrol wagons. However, the wagons hadn't arrived yet, and so everyone... Uh, were to wait for 15 minutes in line. Some were being released through the front door, and normally they would leave the premises, but most of them didn't. They instead stuck around outside watching the seas. Then more people joined the observing crowd. Then more, and and then people weren't even given. Uh, people who weren't even in uh, the Stonewall when it started. Uh, happened to gather from the streets around. Within minutes, between 100 and 150 people had formed outside. Some people were being pushed or kicked out of the bar forcefully, and some stayed to perform to the crowd and salute to the police in an exaggerated fashion. The crowd applauded them and encouraged them even further. When the wagons finally arrived, people were starting to be hauled away. Some escaped while others made commotion. Some just yelled at the police, and someone started singing, We Shall Overcome. Others booed. All the tension snapped when a woman that was struggling with the police, escaping again and again for at least 10 minutes, finally looked to the crowd and yelled, quote, why don't you guys do something, unquote. After she had been heaved into the wagon, the crowd went berserk. It was at most a couple of tens of police officers, uh, if even that, uh, if even if it was that, versus a crowd of over 100. Then police restrained some of the crowd, but that excited uh, the rest even more. At first, the crowds began to throw coins, small beer bottles, and small rocks at the police, but this did little. It is believed soon after, individuals will come across a nearby construction site and seize bricks to throw at the officers. Some officers barricaded themselves in the bar, and the tactical patrol force would show up to aid officers only to be mocked by many kick lines set up by the girls singing. Oh. Police then went to the uh, went on the assault, but this only angered the crowd even more. The police were vastly outnumbered and eventually pushed away. Thirteen were arrested that night, and in the days after, many came out to show support, their love, and some even came to try and organize. Individuals would flood the street and harass drivers to admit to being gay or supporting gay rights, to which the police were called. And honestly, in this instance, rightfully so. That's to me, is going a little step too far. Um, <laughs> many more officers and tactical patrol force members would show up and attack the crowd, but again, they were chased off by uh, they they uh, were chased off. The next few days were wet ones by a lot of rain, so not much happened. But the local papers began publishing headlines that were less than flattering to the crowd. This sparked outrage at the press office just a few doors down uh, by many from the crowd and the Stonewall. Um, 
everything uh, everything would eventually settle down and people would begin to organize and move to promote a march the, for the following year. It was called the Christopher Street Gay Liberation Day March of 1970. More marches would begin to start in other cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco and Chicago, and this would spiral and evolve into what we recognize as the LGBTQ movement and community. The Stonewall Bar would change hands several times until it was bought in 2006 and renamed the Stonewall Inn and was set up to commemorate the event and serve as a symbol to those in the LGBTQ community. Wow. And that was the Stonewall Riots. So it really, uh, when, when did this happen again? Like the, the, 1969. Uh, 1969. Uh, so first impressions, obviously you got two truths and a lie, right? It was yeah. start by an unexpected raid, but not because of a dispute between an angry patron and the bartender. Yeah, see... I was sort of thinking about that. Um, I mean, it's oh, like most of your truth and lies uh, are very plausible. I'm getting predictable, and I hate it. Yeah, but um, but this one, I kind of figured it probably wasn't a bar, like somebody who worked at the bar, because it just sort of seemed like, oh wait, like why would a a bartender at a gay bar? Call another gay person a slur, or or a gay person a slur. I don't know if the bartenders were gay, but no, like they did that quite frequently. They did not care for their patrons. Well, yeah, but it was that. I'm I'm surprised that wasn't the actual like, yeah. I mean, the it, reason, it, yeah. Like to be fair, I don't know much. I don't know much about the Stonewall. Well, I didn't know much about the Stonewall riots. So with the actual like thing that started it, you know, I yeah, I didn't know, but. Yeah, it was a good enough guess. Right. No, absolutely. And I, and I think that's more my fault. Like I said, I'm becoming predictable and I got to get better at this. <laughs> but no, I mean, all fine. in all, like <laughs> this was new history to me. And, you know, doing my research and, and learning more about it these past few weeks, um, it really kind of hit home and was a little personal to me. Just um, just the struggle and the the pain that you see in a lot of recordings and you read in a lot of uh, newspapers and, and um, typed uh, reports from people describing their incidents or their time there. And, and it's, it's just crazy. Um, for those who don't know, I only came out last year um, a little bit less than a month, uh, a little bit less than a year ago. And for me, like, like I said, I'm still learning all of this. I denied this side of myself for years, um, being bisexual. And so learning, you know, it's like taking those first steps, you know, had I took and taken the time to acknowledge this years ago, I mean, I would be far more, um, versed in, in, you know, the history and the struggle and everything that happened, but I'm not. And so reading this and understanding why it was so important was, was crazy, you know, because at the time, a lot of uh, people were uh, so they didn't expect this to be uh, something that sparked a massive movement. But it did. Um, I mean, over the years, like I said, more and more people were coming out wanting to be who they were with little regard for what the law said or what people thought they were who they were and they were going to be that either way. And so to see these, you know, marches form and to see these uh, people come together, you know, despite the backlash, despite the anger, it's really empowering, especially with what you see today. 
Um, cause there, there's so many laws that, uh, it's illegal to be gay or to have kids if you're gay or to, or to be married, um, in any capacity, there's still gay conversion camps in, in a few countries. And I mean, hell, when Trump was president, we literally had a vice president, Mike Pence, who supported gay conversion camps. Like, are you, are you kidding me? It's just, it's baffling. Because, you know, there, there's a long history of people also treating, you know, homosexuality and queerness as a whole as a mental disorder when it's absolutely not. It's proven that it's not, you know, it's just another shade of, of human, you know. So learning all this, it really gives me new hope for what I'm seeing out there, you know, and, and the people I've talked to about this. And for my own personal journey, um, I'm not going to really get into it here. Um, maybe I'll talk about it some other day. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it's one of those things that gives you strength in unexpected places, you know? Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I, I really am. Uh, it's very upsetting, though, to hear you know, in the news that people are still struggling with this, that as much as we've, I mean, we've made many strives in, 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 uh, accepting, uh, LGBTQ plus, um, you know, members and people and just, right. you know, and all sorts of stuff, but we, it's not perfect. It absolutely isn't. And, and especially for like right now, a hot topic seems to be, um, uh, transgender, uh, individuals, or non-binary individuals and how they're struggling to, because there's a lot of laws that are just being passed all the time and a lot of people with right. big voices making, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't even want to get into it, but JK Rowling uh, is a piece of Oof. shit who like absolutely, oh, yeah, no, absolutely has been causing so much damage. And it really sucks because I know that there's a lot of people uh, who are transgender who, who, you know, enjoyed those books enjoyed the stories that she was telling and then to hear that this person that you thought you, you might have looked up to it turns out to hate you and hate you know who you are i mean i can't even imagine it's it's fucking awful um but it uh i, I just really i just really feel i mean it's we, we got to do better like as a people oh no without a doubt um, and, the, and the shitty part is that we can do better and we don't. Yeah, we absolutely don't. Um, I think we do. And there is absolutely no excuse. Yeah. You know? I, I think we, we like. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. No, I was just going to say like um, just in general, I I feel like in my personal life, I've noticed that people are becoming more accepting. Uh, people that might have been very homophobic, very transphobic have become more open to it. Very like family members of mine who I've heard say some pretty terrible things um, have turned around on their opinions and have become accepting. It is possible. It absolutely is possible. I but, mean, I know it's possible. Um, and in my experience, you know, my family didn't really reject my family did not reject me, but it's not to say that it's been easy um, it's definitely felt like it's one of those things that's just the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about or really kind of one of those things that they just feel like it seems if they never acknowledge it, it's never going to be an issue. 
or it's never going to be a concern. Yeah. And I kind of hate that mentality and I hate that that's what it feels like. I hope like I truly hope I'm just in my own head and that I'm wrong, but I really don't think so. And, um, it's kind of like a two faced situation, you know, um, it's not something I'm comfortable with. And I know it's a, it's something a lot of people struggle with, especially since like, I do want to keep working on my relationship with my family, but after a certain point, like there's a line you don't cross. And if you can't accept that, I can't accept you. You know, mm-hmm. if you can't, you know, be happy and, and love the person I am, then I can't be there to support you. I can't support somebody who rejects me, you know? Um, and, and it's just crazy, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's not something I've seriously have to face just yet in my life, but it is something I heavily think about because who knows? I, I don't know when I'm, I'm probably gonna have to cross this bridge if I ever will, you know, maybe my parents will surprise me and, and you know, come out as allies in a very big way. I don't know. I pray they do. That'd be the best case scenario, but it's not that easy. You know, and a lot of people aren't that lucky. I seriously thought I was going to be um, rejected and disowned when I came out. Um, I prepared for it. And and I know it's a story that a lot of people uh, have. They have their own versions of the exact same feelings. And for some of them, they've had to rely on it. They've had to go out and, you know, use their backup plans or or plan, you know, you know, without family help. And, and it's terrible. It's terrible to live in a world where you can not love your child because of who they are. And society says, yeah, that's okay. Because we've been treated to treat that as okay for so long. You know, and yes, times may be changing, but we still live in the South. A lot of parents are not like that still. Um, it's just terrible personally. It, it's a horrible experience for anybody to have to go through. And that, that's where I kind of like wanted to touch back a little bit with like the Medicine Society is like, I understand their approach. Like it should just be normal. It should just be like, oh, hey, yeah, no, he's gay, whatever. I don't care. You know, it, it like I truly believe it should be that mindset because it's not only like disingenuous and, and, a, a fr- and an affront on our rights and who we are as people and how you view us, but it's also just quicker. It's just more effective at the end of the day to not give a fuck about what that person is doing. Like we got much bigger problems to worry about with the environment, with our economy, you know, with our politics, there's bigger fish to fry. This should not be one of them, but it is. And that's what pisses me off. It just feels like fighting. This is a waste of time, but you know, unless it's resolved in a way that respects us, it's a fight that we have to fight. I think it's funny. I think it's really funny that this to a lot of people, this is the sort of issue that they deem a political issue. When in reality, it shouldn't Which be. Which it's, poli- it's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's a human rights issue. It's. It abs- it, it. I don't think it's ever been about the politics. I mean, you could make it about the politics, but when you get down and deep into it, it's about human rights. It's about you know people just wanting to live life as a person. You know. Um, oh, it's such a revolutionary concept. I know, right? Um, so whenever it gets brought up, um, in some spaces, those people, you know, people who, who, they will probably tell you, oh, no, I love gay people, but just don't talk about it. Like, you know, like, okay, uh, I'll give you an example. I knew, well, I knew a guy who 
would be like, um, oh, um, no, gay people are great, you know, or uh, I don't have a problem with gay people. I just don't like their culture, right? And whenever you confront him about it, it'd be like, okay, but like one of my favorite musicians is gay. So, you know, it's like, okay, but that's, look, just because you like a gay artist doesn't mean you're a gay ally. Um, Right, right. Because it, what, when it really matters is when you're confronted with gay people in real life. It's one thing to be like, um, oh, I really look up to, I don't know, uh, Little Nas or, uh, um, you know, Elton John, you know, or, uh, you know, someone like that, right? And you're or like, oh, they're, my, they're such a great artist. I appreciate their work. I love everything they've done. But then, like, when it comes to, like, a family member who's gay, all of a sudden it's an issue or family member who's trans. It's like, I can't see this, see them the same way I used to. And it's like, okay, but you're the problem, not your family member, you know? Right. You're, and then there's always the argument about like pushing agendas and stuff like that. But you don't realize growing up in the household, you do rejecting that is pushing an agenda. You're pushing a certain frame of mind, a certain vision, a certain look and culture that you want to have. You know, that you think and deem as right morally or whatever. And so anything that that violates that, you know, very fragile perception is the problem because now you're having something that can contradict and and fight back what you know and you don't like it. It makes you scared. It makes you uncomfortable. But guess what? Many queer kids have grown up in uncomfortable situations their entire lives, having to be somebody they're not, having to lie to themselves and the world about who they are. And it destroys them. It destroys them inside. You know, I can I can attest to that. It just, you know, it, it happened to me. You know, for a long time, I was, you know, super against homosexuality because that's how I was raised to, to view it. But then after, you know, having years by myself and really addressing things, I not only realized that, hey, no, I do find a lot of, you know, not a lot, but I do find certain men, you know, sexually attractive and stuff like that. And, you know, that's and I, and I told myself, you know, if I can look at a girl and think that and then look at a guy and think that there's no other proof I need to tell myself, oh, yeah, no, you're bi. You like both girls and guys. It's, it truly is that simple. So then came the hard part about undoing all of that, you know, red tape, if you will, in my mind that was built up from this culture of hating queer society and anything related to it and the absolute rejection of it. And just like stripping that away to the point that I started feeling confident enough to tell some people I knew. And I started, you know, really being open about it to the point that I came out to my family. And then, you know, over time it became easier and easier because over time I stopped caring what other people thought. And I just did, you know, I just did what I needed to for me. And so it just gave me the confidence to, to really look at life in a new way. Once you stopped lying to yourself, you know, once I stopped lying to myself. So overall, you know, it was a positive experience for me coming out, but it's not, it's not something I feel like should have happened in the first place in a, you know, more ideal society. But we don't live in an ideal society. We live in this one. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I mean, this is the the hell we live in, and uh, right, we, right. We we just you know gotta work together to make it better. 
actually work together. I think that's very important too. Um, and I'm not just talking about uh, straight people and queer people actually working together. I'm talking right. about everyone. I mean, this is the same thing goes for any kind of social issue, whether it be racism or not. Sometimes it's not about like it. it it's about having these discussions. You know, it's about talking about it. Not just being no, like, I accept it, right? But you don't talk about it. You don't, you know, whenever whenever a queer person gets attacked, you know, do you say something about it? You know, whenever you hear somebody say a slur, do you like, do you just let it go by or do you confront them about it? Um, You're right, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, and hell, even within the queer community, I, like even like bi people are shunned in some spaces, for being bi. Oh yeah, no. There's there's still issues within the uh, the queer community itself. I mean, yeah, I've you seen you have you know racial divides that that occur. You have you know stigmatized ideas towards you know trans and bi communities altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, asexuals, you know, have a hard time themselves with their uh, with asexuals and intersex alike have their own issues um, that isn't even often heard most of the time, and it's just it, it it's crazy because that that's the other thing that holds the lgbtq community back for the most part is that there are still internal you know problems and prejudices that need to be overcome as a whole yeah there's a lot of people who completely like reject trans people but they consider themselves part of the lgbtq community um i mean getting back to jk rowling a lot of people saw her as an ally because she was trying to turn Dumbledore gay. I mean, she did, but uh, successfully. But that doesn't stop the fact that you know she had a problem. She has a problem with trans people in real life, and it's sort of mind-boggling that you claim to be so accepting of others, but have so much hate. You know, um, right? Right? Yeah. I I also like. Okay, so um, I know I feel like I'm jumping around, but on the topic of um, uh, bisexuality, um, to some people, they, they simply don't see – okay, like if – let's say uh, I'm dating a woman right now, right? Okay. And uh, I claim – you know, I tell people that I'm bisexual. They will not – some people will absolutely be like, okay, cool, perfect, you're bisexual. You know, you like men and you like women, despite the fact that you're with a woman. But then, like, other people will be like, oh, no, no, you're obviously straight. Like, it's kind of like uh, bisexual until proven otherwise, right? Uh, Or the same thing goes for, like, if, you know, I was dating a guy right now, people would be like, you're obviously gay, you know, like, don't deny it, (laughs) you know? Right, right. It's like, unless you're in a poly relationship where you show that out up front, it's like, there's a disconnect in understanding and yeah it is something i've come across uh on the rare occasion since i'm i have no personal need to be that open with it um but yeah no it, it's <laughs> it's an issue yeah i um another thing is like um I, I think there's also like this whole idea that like oh if you're bisexual like you've got to sleep around you got to be with like you know you got to try the whole buffet and it's like well not exactly some people want to be in committed relationships some people like right. yeah like they find someone uh, oh my god this this happened with Audrey Plaza when she came well she was you know a bisexual woman right but she recently right. got married to a guy so a lot of people were like you know what 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 a complete you know like 
I'm like, she wasn't a lesbian, first of all. Like, she was attracted to women, but she was also attracted to men. And the person that she ended up with happened to be a man, right? <laughs> um, right. But, yeah, yeah, no. Um, a lot of this is just, you got to trust people on their word. If a person tells you they're bisexual, they're bisexual. You don't go and fight them about it, you know? You don't try to deny it or prove them otherwise, this or that, this or that. It's like, no, 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 no. Just take it. Take them by their word. Like, I, you tell right. me you're bisexual. That's it. That's all there is. Cut it. You know, like, that's it. <laughs> um, it's the word. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know. But go ahead. I'd love to keep uh, – no, I'd love to keep going on about this. But we are nearing the end of our episode. Yeah. Um, as a whole, I'm just glad that we got to cover this for once. And I'm glad – I got to learn more, you know, about the history and everything that, that went into, you know, today's modern LGBTQ movement. Me too. Um, and it makes me happy to be a part of it. And, and, you know, it makes me a little more appreciative of those who were before and struggled even worse than I've ever had to imagine about this. And, and it's, it's humbling. It really is. And I hope, you know, you audience listeners, you know, you got quite a bit of information out this and to all of you out there, We love you, have a safe pride, and have a great day.